If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! I've been that strong person, but I fall down. You have to get back up and you have to rely on the people around you for that. It's the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. I'm Carol Vassar with another COVID-19 associate story, this time from the woman whose voice you just heard, Nurse Heather Quinn. Heather's personal COVID-19 story is a stark reminder that even as millions of people are vaccinated against the coronavirus each and every day here in the U.S., that it is still deadly. For most of her 24 years with the Enterprise, Heather has worked with patients on the clinical front lines, including 13 years spent in the cardiac ICU at the A.I. DuPont Hospital for Children in Wilmington. In 2019, she took a non-patient-facing role within the Clinical Documentation Integrity Department. It is here where Heather and her colleagues work to ensure the accuracy of documentation entered by physicians into a patient's electronic medical record. It's also here where she found herself in March 2020, when the pandemic commandeered both her professional and personal life. Personally, my son was a freshman in college living away from home. My daughter was a sophomore in high school and just getting ready to turn 16. Well, she had turned 16 already. We had her 16 birthday dinner, which she was able to have. The restaurants closed down two days later from when we had that. That was personally what was going on. Professionally, I was 11 months into my new position just starting to feel somewhat comfortable in it because it was very vastly different from any type of nursing I had ever done. It wasn't patient care anymore. I had a great group of coworkers around me. We all five of us share an office. I went home that Friday and I haven't been back. Clinical documentation integrity, however, is very much a hands-on, in-person discipline and working remotely necessitated a few workarounds. We had to change a lot of things because our team goes to rounds every morning with the different teams of physicians. We're all assigned different groups and everything, and we can no longer do that. Everything for a while had to be done through emails. It's hard enough when you're dealing with the physicians to really get them to document where they're going to get the most accuracy and specificity in person. Going through emails, I'm sure everyone who's gone through this is tired of emails. Like you get so many now that a lot of people are doing everything through the computer. It was very challenging to try to keep that connection with our teams. And for me personally, it was really hard because I was so new to the job before we had to go out. I had to rely a lot on just reaching out constantly to my coworkers, and they were awesome. But I'm sure it put more on them than if it had been in person. I would have been able to not be so needy, I guess, if we had been in person. 
a lot of what I do, I pick up from listening to conversations between them and be like, okay, I can apply that to my team too, rather than having to keep reaching out and emailing and texting saying, okay, this is what's going on. This is what I'm thinking. Do you agree? The confidence that I had started to feel went away. My stress level went up. And not just on the job. My freshman came home and finished his semester at home. So he came home thinking that he was still at college. Why do I have rules? Well, because you're not at college. My daughter was taking her classes from high school. And then my husband was home for eight weeks as well, working from home, which added a whole nother level of stress. My husband's office is in the basement and the rest of us were upstairs on the first floor My daughter in her room, my son in his room, I, by default, got the dining room. So I was out in the open, which meant, mom, it doesn't matter you're sitting and working. We're going to come bother you for everything, which was stressful, aggravating, frustrating, you name it. I had it. I'm like, why do you not go down and bother your father? He can do this too. I'm at work. I was cruising along. My family and my close friends, we got through until February without it truly personally touching us. February of 2021. 2021, yes. My husband and I and my kids, too, had friends who were positive with mild symptoms like a bad cold. They got better. They did their quarantine and then went back to what our new normal was. I got a phone call right at the end of January from my cousin, letting me know that my uncle and my aunt both were COVID positive with symptoms. My uncle was 81 and my aunt is 73, 74. They also live in Massachusetts and I haven't seen them in a while because we couldn't do our holidays. I hadn't seen them for over a year. I'm the only person in my family that has any medical background. They were very scared. I started getting a lot of phone calls from my cousin. My uncle was home for about five days after the initial diagnosis, and then his breathing started getting worse, so he had to go to the emergency room, and he ended up getting admitted. My aunt was kind of holding her own at home, Just exhausted, really bad cough and head cold, but still breathing okay. Then my uncle went to the regular floor and seemed to have stabilized for a few days. And then we got the call that he had been moved to the ICU because he was struggling to breathe. On that same day, my aunt had started having really bad vomiting and she couldn't get up. So she got taken to the hospital as well. Fortunately, they gave her IV fluids, they gave her IV steroids and some other stuff, and she was able to come home, and that pushed her over the hump, and she started getting better. I think she probably wouldn't have ended up as bad as she was if she wasn't so scared and stressed about my uncle, because she's homesick, and he's in the hospital, and she can't be with him. They stabilized him in the ICU without putting the breathing tube in for four or five days. He had a FaceTime conversation with my aunt at five o'clock on February 9th. My aunt got a call at 1130 that his heart gave out and they couldn't get him back. So we lost him. During the whole time, I was getting calls all the time just asking, does this seem right and everything? And I'm like, well, I'm a pediatric nurse, but 
from all of the plans in place and the charts that I read with the kids that are here, everything that you're telling me is what is being done across the country for this. Hearing my cousin and my aunt crying and being so scared and not being able to do anything was heartbreaking. Both my aunt and my cousin have said that one of the positives with me not being there is I was a little bit less emotional in my responses. My aunt's best friend is a nurse and she was a godsend because I could call her and say, tell me what's really going on. But that's my aunt's best friend. My aunt and my uncle and her best friend and husband, they travel. Those are their people now that they're all retired. And they both said that it was good having that person who was calmer. And I kind of giggle because I'd get off the phone and be like, I just feel for me and my sadness and my grief I like hugging and that touch with another human that is feeling those emotions too is helpful. I guess it's more, I feel like I did provide them something. I know I provided my family something. I just feel in limbo with my grief. Until then, it was real. I saw the numbers. I totally believe the numbers. I was wearing my mask, doing the six feet, really trying to not do anything that would put me at greater risk. But I had started slipping. I was tired of it. It hadn't really hit me because people I knew who had it didn't have the bad outcome. I know he's gone, but because I couldn't go, my family, none of us could go and say goodbye and see our aunt and our cousins and just let them know we're so sorry and we're going to miss them. So it's real, but it's still not real. It sounds like the closure isn't there. I don't think we're going to have that until we're really able to go up and see my aunt and be there without him there. We're an Irish family, and we always say that the wakes aren't for the dead, they're for the living. And as sad as they are, you also have that chance to laugh and think about the fun things and the stories that you have. And you hear stories that you never knew, and I think that helps you. And we don't have that. I also had an attitude adjustment of how I viewed the whole thing, like my COVID fatigue, where I was lessening up on my restrictions and on the restrictions I put on my kids. Yeah, I'm back to not being quite as blase about it because even though we're a year in, it's still real and people are still dying. It doesn't matter where you live or who you are. It's going to affect you. It is. Unfortunately, the reminder that I got to reorient me to diligence and that I do need to stay on top of my kids and on top of myself and keep doing the protective measures because you do lose people. A part of me is hopeful that the summer we'll be able to actually see each other as a family. But then I hear things like, Texas is lifting the mask mandate and all restrictions, and it scares me because those of us that are following the CDC guidelines and trying to do what's right for ourselves and for others may end up paying the price and not being able to finally get to see our families and do things 
somewhat normally because things like that are occurring. It scares me because I truly believe the surge is going to go back up. I do. I know people, nurses who are in Texas who are drowning and it's just going to be worse. In terms of when your aunt and uncle first were diagnosed and the time that your uncle died, how did you cope and did you get the support that you needed from your fellow Nemours associates? Absolutely. When I got the first phone call, I emailed everyone. I'm going to be off the computer for a while. My uncle's getting admitted to the hospital. I have phone calls coming in. I can't be on for a while. I'll get back on later on. And I knew that he had COVID and that my aunt did too. They were all like, do not worry. We will cover your patients. You do what you have to do, which was awesome. And I knew that was going to be the response that I would get. I was trying to continue my work, but the phone calls were coming in and I'm like, I can't do this. How did you know that was going to be the response you were going to get? Even from the short period of time, the 11 months that I worked with them in person, and then even working remotely. We're a small team. There's five of us. A person who started three months after I did found out she had breast cancer. Fortunately, it was caught super, super, super early And she was able to get it removed and she's okay. I just watched how the people who had been there before I started and myself as well, don't worry, we got you covered. So I knew just in watching that and the responses, but just even other small ones with being sick or your child needs to get to the doctors or something, I knew they would have me. I did. Going through all of this together, the five of you as a team, the stress of COVID, the breast cancer, the death of your uncle, has that sort of bonded this team together in ways that probably would not have happened otherwise? Oh, I think so. I do. I don't know if it wouldn't have happened otherwise. I think it would have taken longer, especially with the group that we have. We all have very varying different backgrounds in nursing and we have some life experience and work experience. We know that this is a job and we all take it very seriously, but it's a job and that we have lives and families and things outside of our job that might affect our job. And we know that we need to support each other in that time because it may be us the next time. I think that helps. As I said, I definitely think we would have gotten to the place we're at. I just don't think it would maybe have been as quickly. I guess the only other thing I would like to share is the response of the organization that I work for. Of course, I'm always going to have frustrations about small little things. You work in an organization, you're always going to have something that you wish would be better. I truly, after almost 24 years of working for this organization, have never been prouder to say that I work for the Moors. The response that we have received, both from Dr. Moss and then the leaders right here in the Delaware Valley, I think has been wonderful. The communication from our leaders has stepped up incredibly over the past year because of the pandemic. I think it's going to continue even when we're out of this window. Every time I think that I couldn't be more impressed, something happens, like administrating the vaccines to the employees, 
how they so quickly put that together and how organized and how on top of it they were. Now I see them helping the state of Delaware and providing clinics here and my coworkers within Nemours volunteering and doing that. I feel incredibly proud and incredibly lucky that I'm working for this organization, not only with the immediate people I work with, but across the whole enterprise. Heather Quinn is a nurse with the Clinical Documentation Integrity Department in the Delaware Valley. Heather, thank you so much for opening your heart and sharing your family story and your team's story on the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Please accept our sincerest condolences on the loss of your uncle, Eddie. Nemours Associates sharing their stories, both personal and professional. That's what we do on this podcast, and we're always open to suggestions and ideas from you for upcoming episodes. If you or someone you know has a Nemours story to share, reach out via email. You can set up an interview at podcast at Nemours.org. That's podcast at Nemours.org. And don't forget, we do all recording remotely, so we can fit it very nicely onto anyone's schedule. The Nemours Champions for Children podcast is available on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app, along with your favorite podcast app and your smart speaker. It's free for streaming or download. Please do subscribe, review, and share with your fellow associates. Thanks to this week's production team, Deborah Griffin, Peter Adebi, and Savannah Pettit. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. On behalf of Heather Quinn, I'm Carol Vassar. Thanks for listening to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve.